Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Tuesday, March 12th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Locked on Spartans. Returning listeners, new listeners, uh, sporadic listeners, consistent listeners, whoever you are, however you listen, if you're listening right now, I thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to my nonsense Speaking of nonsense, a lot of you, uh, many, many of you took time out of your day yesterday or, you know, it's a podcast, so I don't know when you're listening to this, but uh, took time out of one of your days to listen to Monday's show, the Big Ten Championship Celebration Show uh, with myself and Matt Sheehan. That was just um, (laughs) probably different than everything you you heard um, regarding that and we didn't plan for that to, to turn out that way. Uh, it just, we kept rolling and it was 20 minutes later and that's how the show ended up. Uh, regardless, uh, the most listened to show in the, what has it been? One, two, three, five-ish months. I think five months, either four-ish or five-ish months uh, that I've been doing this. 112 episodes, I think. We're, we're, we're 112 episodes in right now. Uh, and that was the most listened to show we've had. Uh, in in the entirety of this uh, podcast, so that was really cool to see. Um, figured it would be a big show. Michigan tends to get people to click, uh, and then when you, your team, when Michigan State beats Michigan, uh, that tends to make people click even more. I think, and so I uh, thought it would be a good show. Uh, I thought it was a good show. We had fun doing it. It was a little bit ridiculous, but hopefully you laughed. We got some good feedback on social media and stuff like that, too. So all of that is super appreciated. Can't thank you guys enough for tuning into that show and continuing to tune in to Locked on Spartans. Um, You know, as long as you feel (laughs) that it's a good show worth your time. Um, For those of you who don't know, I do this show every single day, generally Monday through Friday, five days a week. Uh, half an hour shows dedicated to uh, Michigan State Athletics as a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So on today's show, what we're going to do, got a little rundown here. It's kind of going to be uh, not a typical one segment, one topic thing. I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but I think it'll just work out better that way. Uh, give some more thoughts on the win, some actual, you know, uh, like I said, uh, in the, the recap show, we usually, or I usually you know, talk about some specific things and key stats and performances and things like that. Didn't really get to do it a ton yesterday, so I'm just going to do a little bit more on Michigan today. Uh, I want to talk about my thoughts on the Big Ten tournament. Uh, That bracket is finally set, and we'll talk more about it later in the week, but I just want to do a little bit of a a broad thing generally how uh, really it's it's how little I care about the, uh, the tournament this year. So I'll do that. Uh, After that, I want to talk about the Big Ten postseason awards. Um, I'm sure a lot of you got to see them, but if not, I'll just run through them real quick and give some thoughts on who for Michigan State uh, was, you know, I don't, not that anyone was necessarily snubbed, but Michigan State had a lot of representation on it uh, and just give some thoughts there. Uh, A couple of things from the Tom Izzo press conference as well to get to uh, that he had yesterday. Um, Oh, and yeah. Okay, sorry, I just lost my rundown. And I also want to talk about um, a really interesting sort of 
piece of evidence that should give you some optimism for Michigan State uh, heading into the national tournament, the NCAA tournament. So that's the plan for today's show. We'll just kind of bebop around and and talk about some Spartan hoops. So, all right, let's get it started with some thoughts uh, on the win over Michigan. Okay, so yesterday I really broadly kind of covered this thing, but I've got the uh, advanced box score up here. Uh, And I want to talk about first uh, Xavier Tillman. I didn't get a chance uh, yesterday to really expand upon uh, how impressive his performance was. Um, Spoiler alert, he won the Big Ten Sixth Man of the Year. And uh, I don't think it's crazy to think that this game, uh, because recency bias is really strong, everyone in the conference was watching this and voting was due pretty much after the game was over. I think Sunday was when ballots were due. Um and so everyone who was voting was watching this game and just watching Xavier Tillman play, knowing that he's come off the bench the entire season, eligible for sixth man of the year. Uh, and watching him, I think that may have swung some votes in his favor. You know, not that voters for such a prestigious award would be so influenced by recent events, but it happens. Um, but he was the reason uh, that Michigan State was not washed out of the Breslin Center during the first half. Um you know, Cassius Winston, we know, struggled, struggled, was like one of seven in the first half with three or four turnovers. Matt McQuaid wasn't getting anything going. Uh, Kenny Goins was, uh, you know, not playing super well uh, either. And really, you know, Izzo said Tillman wasn't playing <laughs> great. Like, I think he said uh, after the game, his top four players didn't come to play in the first half. And I was like, oh, hold on, Tom. <laughs> um Tillman was really strong in the first half, kept Michigan State in it a lot. A couple of key offensive rebounds where he got fouled. I know we were kind of all clamoring for, like, finish a little stronger, get some and one opportunities, but you can't really fault a guy for getting fouled a ton. And he goes 9-12 from the free throw line, which, uh, you know, solid numbers for anyone, let alone a big. And, gosh, his free throw shooting just from the beginning of the year to now has just come such a long way. Um, And free throw shooting is, like, the strongest predictor uh, of guys who can shoot the three-pointer. Like, if you're a really good free-throw shooter, shooter, you can shoot threes eventually. You just got to work on it more. And we've seen him have some three-point shooting. I think that's going to be a spot next year where he's going to start extending his range and become just like a really well-rounded offensive threat. But he was all over the place in the first half. Uh, he blocked five shots in that game and had two steals. Um, was just all over the place. The steals, the one like diving backwards in transition and just like snagged it like an Odell Beckham catch, like was sick. And then just making huge hustle plays all over the place. Um, and he actually, because of his efficiency, he scored 17 points and took five shots. <laughs> like that's incredible. Uh, and had he not turned it over, uh, he had three turnovers and had he not turned it over, his offensive rating would have been, you know, even better, but uh, still the MVP for Michigan State on uh, in this game, according to uh, KenPalm.com. Uh, you know, just measuring the the complete, uh, you know, total picture, total stat thing here. He gets it over Cash Swinson, mainly because Cash has shot poorly uh, from three and had five turnovers. But uh, Tillman was outstanding, and I thought that first half really could have got out of hand if not for a couple of huge plays from him. And, uh, you know, just I want to throw more kudos at Kyle Arns. I said before the game, you know, with his condition, best case scenario, the hope is, you can get 15 solid minutes from him, and he can provide some energy, play, 
you know, above average defense. Get Aaron Henry a, a, a solid rest. Get Matt McQuaid some rest here and there. Uh, make a couple plays. Maybe get a bucket or two. Um, and he finishes the game 15 minutes, four points on two of two shooting from two, oh of one from three, and four rebounds. And had that uh, amazing take in the you know near the end of the first half to get the lead back down to eight. I think it was you know he's stumbling over people and crashing into people, slams on his back, and everyone in that building knew like oh shit Kyle just slammed on his back again and he like got up like he he looked like he was uh a retired NFL player you know in his 60s trying to get out of bed um or just a a modern NFL player current NFL player trying to get out of bed after a game uh on Monday but he was slow to get up and then he sort of kind of got the the wheels going back and then just slapped the floor on defense for some reason because he was so fired up. Uh, Michigan calls a timeout, and then Kyle Arndt starts screaming at everybody in the Breslin Center. Um, and Izzo even said, uh, you know, sometimes I think stuff like that gets a little overblown, but at that moment, that was super necessary. That sort of uh, energy play because, you know, we're sitting on pins and needles. The the whole, you know, student section was bringing it, but people were nervous. You could tell it was starting to get a time like, man, if we go into the breakdown 14, that could be trouble. Um, and it goes from a 10-point game down to an 8-point game. And they just needed that cathartic release of energy, that reason to scream. And Kyle Arns gave it to him uh, and just started screaming at everybody. And Tom Izzo said after the game that that, that little sequence from him uh, changed the energy in the building and really uh, was a big reason that uh, Michigan State was able to sort of rally the troops there. So that's about all you can ask for a guy uh, who's dealing with a bad back. It's a debilitating injury. Uh, it makes playing basketball damn near impossible. And I bet if Josh Langford was still healthy, uh, Kyle Arns wouldn't have played. Uh, he, he may not have played. You know, it's butterfly effect thing. Like, who knows what happens with Arns' back if Langford never gets hurt. But in this situation, if there was just another body, basically, that they could throw out there for extended minutes and trust, I, I would think Kyle Arns would have sat this game and maybe would have sat... Uh, for a couple of weeks and just tried to rest that thing up and get as close to 100% as he could. But for that dude to just, you know, a week or two weeks ago, he was lying on the bench against Michigan, unable to physically get up uh, because of his back. And then two weeks later, he's slapping the floor and screaming at everybody in the Breslin, uh, helping give an emotional lift to a team that desperately needed it. Uh, That's really special from him. And that's not something I think we should take for granted. Um, last thing I want to get to here, and then we'll take a break and, and move into some other topics, is I thought Aaron Henry played really well. Um, went uh, one for two for, from three again. Seems to be getting some confidence back in that stroke. Uh, everyone in the program, everyone around the program says he can shoot it. We're starting to see a little bit more. And, and as we've talked about a lot on this podcast, like he relies on confidence so much. It just feeds into every aspect of his game. And when he is getting a little space on the perimeter and just going up, rising and firing, you feel a lot better than when he catches it on the perimeter. There's room. He hesitates for a second, dives into the lane, out of control, trying to push push and press and, and just make a play and ends up turning it over or something like that, which we saw a lot from him kind of in the middle of the season. Uh, but he finishes with nine points, uh, two for five shooting on two, one for two for three, only two for four for the free throw line, which little disappointing but that's you know that happens it's a two for four game it's he's a he's a free he can shoot free throws um but was really outstanding from him he grabbed three offensive rebounds uh had eight offensive rebounds or eight rebounds total so he goes nine eight and two two assists and blocked a shot 
and no turnovers for him. Uh, I thought he played really well on the perimeter defensively. I thought he did a good job switching uh, when they needed to switch, and I, I, I didn't see any really situations where he looked you know, way out of position or anything like that, and we've just seen consistent steady improvement from him, especially on that end of the floor, and he's going to be a really, really good player starting next year. Um, we've seen flashes of it, and he's going to start stringing together games uh, and just be an absolute beast for this team next year. Uh, starting on the wing alongside uh, Langford. Him and Langford's going to be a really good duo there. Um, but yeah, anytime a, a guy like Henry, a 6'6 wing, can get you eight rebounds in a game like this, uh, that's huge. And as we know, Michigan State won the rebounding battle 46-20. to And, you know, sometimes that can be overblown. Uh, margins, rebounding margins, because teams miss more shots or things like that, or turnovers, etc. What you want to look at as the percentages uh, and Michigan got an offensive rebound on 10% of their uh, opportunities, which is insanely good defensive rebounding by Michigan State. Uh, in comparison, Michigan State got an offensive rebound on 40% uh, of their chances. So four to one, uh, four times as many, uh, four times as good, however you want to say it, offensive rebounding for Michigan State. Uh, and then, yeah, just, you know, Michigan gets 59.3% on the defensive glass and Michigan State's right around 90% on the defensive glass. Those are just insanely good rebounding rates. Uh, and they needed to do that because, you know, they didn't take care of the ball well, really, especially in the first half, but overall didn't really take care of the ball well. Um Ended up shooting it all right from two, or, or well from two, and okay from the free throw line. Didn't get the three-point game going at all. Um, actually, only shot 27% from three, and Michigan shot 36%. Uh, but, you know, when you shoot 63% from two, get to the free throw line 30 times and make it at a 77% clip and get all those offensive rebounds uh, and all those defensive rebounds, you're going to be really tough to beat. So kind of a classic Michigan State old school win there. Uh, a lot of good stuff to kind of sit on, digest, and we'll talk more, not specifically about this game, but just this team and their strengths and weaknesses moving into the postseason and future episodes of Locked on Spartans. All right, long segment one. If you're new to the show, I do that all the time. I just blow through the time that I'm supposed to do in segment one. Uh, and then instead of going short in the other two segments, I just keep going long and go over my allotted time pretty much every episode. But, eh, you know, that's going to happen. Uh, but we'll take a break right here. Uh, before we do, though, got to remind you, you can play this podcast in your car. Uh, all you got to do is tell your smart device in that car to play podcast Locked on Spartans. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked on College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked on Spartans. I'm going to skip the Big Ten tournament stuff because Michigan State has a couple of days until they have to get involved. Uh, but I'm going to instead talk about the Big Ten uh, postseason awards. So 
Surprise, surprise, Cassius Winston wins Player of the Year, the ninth player in Michigan State history to win Big Ten Player of the Year. Not surprising. He also lands on the first team, uh, one of two consensus uh, first team All Big Ten players, or unanimous, not consensus. Um, what is it? Yeah, unanimous, sorry. <laughs> Cassius Winston and Carson Edwards were unanimous selections to both the coaches and media uh, team. So every single person voted for them in both of those. So not surprising there, especially for Cassius Winston. Uh, far and away the best player in the Big Ten this year. Saw some uh, people trying to, Purdue people trying to hype up Carson Edwards, saying that no person, uh, no player in Big Ten history has ever led the league in scoring, been on the uh, conference winning team and not won Big Ten Player of the Year. And another has. Uh, because when you shoot 39%, people take notice. Uh, so first team uh, consensus or unanimous, uh, Cassius Winston. Uh, Nick Ward made both the media and coaches third team, with, which I think feels right for Nick. Um, had he been able to finish the home stretch, close strong, had big games against Michigan, uh, then I think he probably slots into the second team because uh, he was you know, one of the best forwards in the league at, at times this year uh, sometimes for extended runs had some up and down moments but for the most part was really solid during the Big Ten season and I think if he finishes it strong uh, with you know uh, two strong games against Michigan strong game against Nebraska Indiana uh, helping Michigan State go uh, and win a conference title he probably slots into at least one of the second teams but instead he finishes third team both for the media and the coaches and I think that's fair and I think that's actually quite a compliment for Nick uh, given that he missed uh, you know, what did he miss? Five games at the end of the season, two of the biggest games of the season against the the other top team in the conference. So good for Nick there. I think that's a fair assessment of his season. And then Kenny Goins and Matt McQuaid uh, end up as honorable mention, which um, <laughs> Kenny Goins being honorable mention Big Ten, uh, you know, if you look at it, like 15 guys make up the first, second, and third team. In theory, the 15 or so guys who had the best years in the Big Ten, and then honorable mentions about 10 guys. So if I said to you at the beginning of the season, you know, hey, we got these three teams, honorable mention, between it's 25 players in the Big Ten who had the best seasons, you know, a couple guys from each team, right? You know, at least one guy generally from each team. Some teams will have three or four, you know, the good teams. Uh, if I would have come to you at the beginning of the season and said, hey, Kenny Goins is going to make honorable mention uh, all Big Ten. He's going to be one of the 25 best players in the conference. Um I think you would have called me uh, insane and you would have been right because I would not have believed myself had I told you that, uh, you know, we thought Kenny would be a good player, good glue guy, grab some rebounds, block some shots. Uh, but what we, uh, but what Michigan State got out of him this year uh, was awesome. And I think totally unexpected, especially the three-point shooting, just <laughs> going from a guy, I think he was shooting like 29% or something like that, a good portion into the season. So serviceable, not great. Uh, and then for the last month, he shoots like 44% from three, just destroys the conference and completely uh, shifts how teams have to defend Michigan State. And with Langford going out, uh, teams had started to condense on the paint, make life tough because Michigan State for, I don't know, seven games wasn't shooting the three well. Uh, and then Kenny Goins just started lighting up the world and, and that changed. That changed how teams defended Michigan State and that's one of the reasons that Michigan State, despite losing Langford and despite losing Ward for an extended period of time, actually uh, ended up with the number four overall uh, offense and adjusted efficiency on Ken Palm. 
Uh, and that's a testament to Kenny Goins and, and good for Matt McQuaid too. I would have thought it was more likely that he could end up in a scenario like that. Like, yeah, good senior season. He's a good player. Um, but for him to end up as a 3 and D specialist and to get also recognized as first team all defense, uh, that's crazy. That's great for him. Um, like just the, the it, uh, it's unexpected almost with McQuaid, the all defensive team. We, you know, we always thought he was a solid perimeter defender, but he became really well respected throughout the league this year. Always took on uh, the tough assignments, uh, the, the toughest guys to guard on the other team, and for the most part, did an outstanding job. Uh, just a wonderful, pleasant surprise, the jump he took on the defensive end. And I think that contributed to his uh, honorable mention. And there was just times this year where he lit it up, had some really outstanding games offensively as well. So his game has really come a long way, especially in the last couple of years. Um, we already talked about Xavier Tillman as sixth man of the year. Uh, great honor for him. I think he's going to be, they don't do a most improved thing, but he's a guy I could see going, you know, he's sixth man of the year, doesn't get on any of the all Big Ten teams or honorable mention or anything like that, all defensive team, but he's a guy I could see jumping from sixth man of the year to second team all Big Ten next season, third team all Big Ten. Just, <laughs> you know, progress is not always linear like we like to project it, like, oh, he got this much better freshman to sophomore, so he's going to get that much better in his junior season. It doesn't always work out like that, but if it does, Xavier Tillman's going to be a problem for people in the Big Ten for a couple more years. Uh, and then uh, Tom Izzo does not win Coach of the Year. That goes to Matt Painter at Purdue. Um, I honestly thought it kind of was a coin flip thing, but I think uh, given that Purdue lost four or five starters you know, that people love to reward that sort of thing. It's always about expectations and overcoming them. And I think Purdue, while they were projected to be good, you know, they start the season slow uh, and Painter gets credit for quote unquote rallying the troops and things like that. And Purdue wasn't picked to win the Big Ten and Michigan State was picked to win the Big Ten. So despite this being one of Izzo's best coaching jobs ever, for sure, top three coaching jobs for Izzo, um, Top two in the modern the last 10 years for sure. Uh, despite that, uh, I wasn't surprised uh, Painter got it. I'm biased. I would have given it to Izzo by a slim margin, but I don't uh, have a problem at all with uh, Painter getting it. You know, credit to them. They ended up having a really good season and, and won a Big Ten title despite having, you know, an easier <laughs> schedule. Ugh. Stupid Big Ten. Uh, anyway, the, those are the awards. That's the how it shook out. So uh, plenty of representation for Michigan State. Uh, in all, I think uh, nobody really got snubbed. Maybe Aaron Henry on the all-freshman team. But he was, you know, that's sort of uh, the five freshmen that put up the most numbers, essentially. Not a ton of discerning, you know, things uh, go into that. So that's not a major deal. Uh, and I think he's, again, like I said, a guy who's going to take a massive jump next year. So I don't think he's worried about not getting on the freshman team. I think there'll be plenty of chances for him to end up on all Big Ten teams uh, as his future progresses at Michigan State. Okay, I'm going to break right here for segment two. When we get back segment three, I'll talk about uh, that interesting fact anecdote thing to uh, give you a little bit of optimism going into the NCAA tournament. And then we'll have that update on Nick Ward. Uh, and what that means for the team going into the Big Ten Tournament. Okay, welcome back to Segment 3 of Locked on Spartans. So, some of you may know this because I uh, have been talking about it, not a ton, uh, but I've mentioned it a few times in passing. So, 
if you know what Ken Palm is, you can tune out for the next 10 seconds. But if you don't know what Ken Palm is, it's basically uh, a website where advanced stats are collected and it's really comprehensive. And what you end up with, the big things, is you get uh, offensive and defensive efficiencies and, you know, turnover, you get uh, luck measurements and tempo measurements and strength of schedule and things like that. And it all gets factored into this one number that basically tells you how much your team would either beat or lose, uh, you know, to an average team, uh, average NCAA team on a neutral court. So like Michigan State is plus 30.72. So on a neutral court against the average NCAA team, they would win by 30.72 points on average. That's sort of how that works. So uh, Michigan State, number four Ken Palm team, number four in adjusted offense, and number nine in adjusted defense. Those two numbers are very important. Uh, this is from at Bigger10 on Twitter. Uh, since Ken Palm began in 2002, every NCAA tournament champion but one was top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency at the end of the regular season. That is the following eight teams, Virginia, Gonzaga, Duke, Michigan State, North Carolina, Michigan, Kentucky, Houston. So uh, of those eight teams, the, the, the history of the NCAA tournament and the national champion, uh, it's a really strong chance that the, the champion is going to come from those pool of teams. Um, and whether you want to discount Houston in that, although Houston is solid, they're 19th in offense and 15th in defense, so they're kind of barely meeting those thresholds. Uh, whereas a lot of the teams that are, uh, you know, meeting these measures, like like Syracuse, uh, the the uh, Carmelo Anthony Syracuse team that won, uh, they were 17th in adjusted offense and 14th in adjusted defense. So. Uh, that's kind of a similar thing, but the talent's not quite there at Houston. So if you want to discount Houston, that's fine. But there's eight teams that sort of match that requirement. And then I wanted to add on to that as well because there's you can go even a little bit deeper with this. Uh, the majority of those teams, so there's been 17 championships in the Ken Palm era. 16 of 17 have been top 20 in adjusted offensive and defense. The uh, exception is the, that UConn team, that seven-seeded UConn team that wasn't any good and then somehow uh, won the last like nine games of the season uh, to win the Big East and then win the NCAA tournament, beat Michigan State in the Elite Eight the year that Michigan State should have won the national championship, but who's bitter about it? Anyway, uh, aside from that UConn team, they're the only one that doesn't fit. Going deeper, though, uh, the majority of those 17 teams, uh, 12 of those 17 teams have been top t- top 11 in both uh, uh, offense and a defense adjusted efficiency. So that is, you know, uh, a handful of teams have been, whatever, top 14 in one thing and top five in the other thing. Top five offense, top 20 defense kind of thing, but it's much more common for them to be top 11. And I made it top 11, not top 10, because like the last three years, uh, Villanova was like 11th in defense and Carolina the year before that was 11th in offense. So like it should be top 10, but I extended it out to top 11 just because it, it added three more teams. Uh, so 12 of the 17 past national championships uh, have been a top 11 team in both adjusted efficiency on offense and defense. Uh, this year, that is Virginia, Duke, Michigan State, North Carolina. So only four teams fit that requirement of being top 11 in both things. 
Uh, Virginia's second in offense, third in defense. Duke's sixth in offense, seventh in defense. Michigan State is four and nine, and Carolina is seven and eleven. So. Uh, Gonzaga number one offense with 16 on defense. Michigan 18 on offense, two on defense. Uh, and then Kentucky, Kentucky kind of just misses the mark on this one. They're 13th in offense, eighth in defense. So I think it's a pretty good pool of teams that you'll probably like. If I'm getting a bet uh, and I can take, uh, uh, you know, Virginia, Duke, Michigan State, North Carolina, or the field. Um, I would feel pretty confident. You know, you always want to take the field in those situations generally. Uh, but I would feel really confident taking those four teams. Uh, and if you extend it out to the eight teams, Virginia, Gonzaga, Duke, Michigan State, North Carolina, Michigan, Kentucky, Houston, uh, I think you're pretty darn sure unless something weird happens, which you can in the tournament, you know, that's the fun of it. Uh, I would feel pretty confident that the NCAA champion, the national champion is going to come out of that that group. And that's... Uh, that's really cool. That's uh, Michigan State can feel good about that. Uh, you know, they were in that group last year. Uh, it didn't work out. They were uh, in that group in 2016. Or no, they weren't in that group in 2016. The defense wasn't good enough. Um, but yeah, they haven't been in that group for a while. So this is uh, this is all to say this is a really good team. Michigan. This is the best Michigan State team in a while. Um, you know, even better than last year's team. Uh, by a decent margin, uh, they're really good. And there's no one, I think, that is head and shoulders above everybody else, depending on Zion Williamson's, Zion Williamson's health with Duke. I think if Duke has him, uh, that's a team that Michigan State is going to have a really tough time beating. But you need, you know, maybe someone else beats Duke for you. But I think Michigan State can beat every single other team in the tournament. And they could probably get Duke on, on the right night. Um, I think this thing is wide open. Virginia's really good. We know Virginia struggles in the tournament. They've had their their tournament demons. They for whatever reason their style of play, their game just doesn't translate well to to the NCAA tournament. It's not for whatever reason. They play so slow. There's so few possessions in their game that they don't make use of their huge talent discrepancy. They're huge. Uh, you know, they're so much better than pretty much every team they play. They don't make use of it because they play so slow. Um, you know, so I think this thing is totally up in the air, and I'm super looking forward to it. But yeah, I just wanted to give you guys that little bit of Ken Palm history that this Michigan State team is certainly among the handful that you should consider having a real shot at winning the national championship. Uh, last little thing I want to get to here before we say goodbye um, for today. Um, oh yeah, the the Nick Ward uh, status update. Tom Izzo said he expects him to play in the Big Ten tournament but they haven't determined how much he's going to play. Uh, I've been on the record saying I don't care about the Big Ten tournament anymore. Um, you know, it's fun to win it, but honestly, at this point with how the season's gone, I just want health. That's all I want out of the Big Ten tournament is, you know, if Kyle Arns can't go or if he's questionable, don't play him. Let's get him healthy as we can for the NCAA tournament. Uh, yeah, use it to get Nick Ward some playing time, get him back in shape. But if, you know, he's going to play in the tournament, that's good. Uh, but if his hand was a little questionable, I'd be fine sitting him out. Uh, it will be interesting to see how they play with him uh, in the NCAA tournament or in the Big Ten tournament. How does his conditioning look? How is his playing, his, his intensity and things like that? I would imagine it'll be fine. So, um, But according to Izzo, they're, uh, they're still considering the Big Ten tournament meaningful and that they're not going to take a week off after winning the regular season. Uh, Michigan State's been pretty fickle at times in the Big Ten tournament. Sometimes 
Uh, it's important, like when they split with Ohio State and wanted to match up with Ohio State at the end. Uh, other times, Michigan State wins the conference, bows out in the first round to an eight seed, and then you know gets ready for the NCAA tournament. I'd be totally fine with both. All I want from that, all I want from the Big Ten tournament is health. So, all right, that is going to be the end of today's show. Uh, join us tomorrow. We'll have another show. Uh, I'll get to the stuff I didn't get to today. I will talk a little bit more about the Big Ten tournament. Um, and actually, you know, we'll, we'll look at the bracket a little bit uh, and kind of talk about uh, some trends and things like that, why it is, you know, it's it's not the biggest thing in the world, but it's nice to win. Um, and, and Michigan State has some good history uh, with it. So we'll talk a little bit about the Big Ten tournament and uh, whatever else comes up throughout the day (laughs) Um, but thanks so much for listening to the show reminder to rate review and subscribe to the podcast subscribing is the easiest way to get the show Uh, just go to your favorite podcasting app find locked on spartans hit the subscribe button uh, and the show shows up on your phone every single day when it posts 5 a.m is usually when i get them up so that is the easiest way to get the show. Follow the show on Twitter at on Spartans. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter one l two underscores. Uh, thanks so much for again making yesterday's show the most listened to show in uh, Lockdown Spartans history. Uh, and thanks again for listening to today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, go green.